Welcome to Wildlife Rehabilitation from Rescue to Release, a podcast dedicated to licensed wildlife rehabilitators and the veterinarians who support them. I'm your host, Gail Buell. Techniques we discuss here are meant for licensed wildlife professionals. If you aren't licensed and trained for wildlife rehabilitation, do not attempt to capture, hold, or rehabilitate any wild animal. If you find an injured wild animal, a wildlife professional can recommend next steps. We will tackle topics about rescue, care, management, reconditioning, and releasing wildlife found in North America. This is a deep dive into each subject. We hope to give rehabilitators information they can use because they're already going to great lengths to rescue and nurse animals back to health. There are three possible outcomes in wildlife rehabilitation, release, euthanasia, and placement. An injured or orphaned wild animal's journey to restored health and independence in their natural habitat is delicate and complex. We draw techniques and expertise from many disciplines. Many animals brought into rehabilitation cannot be saved. The last gift we can give them is humane euthanasia. We'll talk more about when this is necessary. Sometimes animals are deemed non-releasable and evaluated to be suitable for a life in captivity. When that happens, we shift to a long-term approach to managing their care, training, and housing. Some such animals serve as ambassador animals, a term for animals that rehabilitators use to educate the public. Each episode, we'll speak with experts who represent specialty topics across the profession of wildlife rehabilitation, ambassador animal care and management, showcasing best practices. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today, we shift focus back to the topic of electronic databases for wildlife rehabilitation. This will be my second interview on databases. If you missed the first, be sure to check out episode six, where I spoke with Dr. Cara Pierce about the database Wild One. The database we cover in this episode is called Raptor Med. I caught up with creator and founder of Raptor Med, Dr. David Scott. He joined me via Zoom from Huntsville, North Carolina. I think you'll agree, the career path that led Dr. Dave to found Raptor Med is both fascinating and inspiring. So let's dive right into it. All right, well, everyone, I am so excited because I get to talk to the Dr. David Scott. And before we really get into databases and everything, Dr. Scott, could you give our listeners just some of your background and uh, and like what you're doing now and, and how long you've been involved in Raptor Rehabilitation? Sure. Um, and thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I, I kind of have a very strange background. I graduated college undergrad as an electrical engineer, and I worked for the Department of Defense for many years. Um, I always loved animals, though, and I knew that somehow I was going to be working with them at some point. So uh, about 10 years out, I went back to vet school. And it's funny because when I graduated the first time, I vowed I'd never set foot on the University of Illinois campus again. And then sure <laughs> enough, 10 years later, there I was back at the vet school. So um, and I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I did small animal practice for a while. I did emergency for a couple of years. But, you know, my heart wasn't really in it. I really wanted to get into wildlife and I was lucky because the U of I had a great wildlife medical clinic, we called it in school. Mm-hmm. And so I got to play with a lot of great creatures and, and raptors in particular. And there was always something about them. And I knew that they were going to be in my future. 
So I practiced for a while and I did get a little bored and I went back to engineering. I moved out to California and took a job out there and back with the Department of Defense. And then all of a sudden, um, this, uh, and, and during that time, I had been working as a volunteer, you know, so I, I would do surgeries for whatever rehab group I, I happened to live by. So Louisville, Kentucky, there was a group, um, mm-hmm. Raptor Rehab of Kentucky, you probably know Eileen Wicker. Yes. And I worked with them for a while and it was great. And then, and then this opening at the Carolina Raptor Center opened up. It was going to be their first paid full-time staff vet. And that was, I think, like 2008. And I moved again. You know, I'd moved three or four times at that point. And that was a great run. Um, mm-hmm. The center was really, really small when I started. And we really built it up to something almost internationally renowned. And uh, it was a good 13, 14 years. And um, I, I really enjoyed that. I got to I got to help a lot, a lot of birds and, and it was fun, but all good things come to an end. And, and about, I don't know, two years ago, I decided that I was going to sort of, I, I say retire with double quotes because there's really no such thing anymore. And um, so I, I left the, the Raptor Center and I decided I wanted to focus on my, my Raptor Med um, program. And I had started that right after I got to the University of Illinois or uh, to the Raptor Center. So it's about 15 years in now, and it's really grown to be quite a quite an enterprise. And so that's what I'm devoting my time to now. Um, I still volunteer for a local rehab group. In fact, um, did a surgery on a little great horned owl baby this morning that had fallen out of a nest and broke its leg. Oh. So I, I get to do both, and I, I love being able to do both. Yeah, that, that, yeah all your passions, right? Uh, so... Uh, well, I'm glad you you let us right into the conversation that that I am interested in for today is talking about databases. So you you said that you developed this quite a while ago, over 15 years ago. What was the driver for it? Why? Well, why why do it? Yeah, it's a lot I mean, of work. It was it was a uh, uh, out of necessity. So I am you know most doctors, MDs, whatever, are horrible writers, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I realize that it's a requirement. I'd scribble something in a bird's chart or an animal's chart. I couldn't read it two minutes later. And, you know, I I was thinking, you know, we've got to do something about this. I, um, it's all about efficiency, right? And so when Mm -hmm. you're in the rehab world, resources are really slim, money, time, cage space, number of food, you know, rats and all that stuff. So you have to be efficient. And I realized we weren't. My boss would come in, the, the, the director of the center, and he'd say, Dave, are you busy or slow now? And I would look at a stack of paper charts, and if it was this tall, I'd say busy, and if it was this short, I'd say not so busy. And I had no idea how mm-hmm. many animals I was in charge of, how many I was responsible for, sure. and it just it just wasn't the way to go. So Raptormid was born out of a necessity to kind of streamline some of that stuff. It was just for me to help do my job. Um, I had mm-hmm. I never anticipated that it would turn into what it has, and it's kind of neat because the field that we work in is so diverse. People do things so differently. You know, one center works differently than the other. And, and a system, a database like that really has to be adaptive. And, and, and that's one of the things that really makes Rappermint stand out. So that's why I've been so busy on the last bunch of years is helping other people, you know, get those levels of efficiency that you just can't do with paper and pencil. Oh, it's the truth, isn't it? it yeah. I've been learning that a lot oh, yeah. over the last several years with with rehabilitation. And I certainly have not done the level of rehabilitation and numbers of animals that uh, a facility like Carolina Raptor Center or some of the facilities you've talked about. Uh, and, and so you're right, the efficiency is really, really important. So, but why, other than efficiency, are there other things that it's like, 
databases are important because yeah so there's a lot one, of, but what else there's a lot of reasons um you mm-hmm. know when you have all this data on handwritten charts they're really completely inaccessible um they don't help you they don't allow you to improve they don't allow you to look back and figure out what did i do right so one of the things that i really love about having a database any database is the ability to identify trends you know is there something new coming up this eight the mm-hmm. the high path ai right now is something that probably could have been spotted a lot sooner had somebody been looking for it in their database. And 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 once we start sharing databases nationwide, like we are already, that really helps as well. So surveillance to find things. But for me, one of the things that I loved about it is when I was actively practicing, I would present at multiple conferences every year, you know, um, mm-hmm. Exotics Con and, and others. And it was really great for me to do retrospective studies. We often didn't have time to do prospective where, where we, you know, experiment with some new drug or something. Sure. Um, but we did a lot of retrospective and that means you go look back into your data. You have to have mm-hmm. the ability to mine that data. And we found so many interesting things about things we were doing right, things we were doing wrong. And 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 one of the examples that always comes up is um, we had been treating um, owls with a, a blind eye. We, we would do the evisceration okay. procedure and we would release those owls. And there was a big debate in the field, you know, should you do that? Yes, should you not is. do that? Yes. It still mm-hmm. goes on today. But I can mm-hmm. tell you one of the studies that I did in our data um, with the Banderturn data that we get, and I've, I've actually presented this at several conferences, is those one-eyed owls did extremely well as far as their survival after release. So I wouldn't have known that. I would be, I would mm-hmm. always be thinking, are we doing the right thing with this bird? Are we not? Should we euthanize it right. or whatever? And because we have that data, because it's mineable, because we can query it and look for things, we know things now that we would never know before. Another mm-hmm. example is, you know, we track all the Banderturn data that we get and telemetry on our birds. And we found things like a great horned owl that traveled 800 miles from its release site, which, you know, if you look at the, some of the older texts, they'd say, well, owls typically stay one mile from their, you know. And sure. so, so we're learning a lot of great information. And when a program can actually generate a map and show you all the stops on this bird's trail, you know, path over the years, it's right. really neat to be able to see that sort of thing. Oh, excellent. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I think uh, definitely not all of us are able to ban the birds that right. we work with or, you know, collar the foxes or whatever that we release uh, for for that type of data to come in. But at the same time, uh, mining your own data to improve what you're doing for future animals, I think, is very, very important because I think we get stuck in this anecdotal world. Well, I think it was like this, or that was my impression. But that doesn't mean that that's exactly the way it was. And And when when people think a certain thing for so long, it becomes set in concrete and you can't change them. And so unless you have data to prove that you're right or wrong, it's it's hard to improve. And that's one of the things I really liked about that. You know, and and this telemetry thing is is one of the really neat things because one of my customers, one of my users is this big uh, vulture breeding program in South Africa. And they have telemetry on all their birds that go into this Moonbank mm-hmm. database and mm-hmm. um, via you know satellite. And they right. would spend two hours a day looking at the Moonbank data. Two hours for a small team is a lot of That's a lot of time. Two hours a day to look for a bird who hasn't moved far enough today or in the last twelve hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of the neat things uh, about a system like Raptormeter or others is that you know you can you can leverage that data. So now RaptorMed automatically downloads the MoveBank data for them and they set parameters and it'll say this bird doesn't meet the parameters. And now they can go out and check on that bird because they're all so valuable as individuals. So right. instead of paying, spending two or three hours and then driving around to a bird who's fine, 
the system tells them, hey, this is the one you need to worry about or that's the one you need to worry about. So right. they're getting hours back in their day just by being able to, you know, use wow. data like that, that. I mean, and that is on the ground data. I yeah. mean, that is like yeah. right now <laughs> data yeah. uh, that you can use. So that that's amazing. Backing up just slightly. Well, I'm going to talk to you at another time about this place in South Africa. This is amazing. Um, but what kinds of features do you consider really important for a database like this? Um, so the number one, number one is usability. Um, you know, there's a lot of veterinary medical record databases out there, um, not necessarily for wildlife, but for animals in general. And mm-hmm. my, my girlfriend's in the human medicine field and they have their own EMRs, medical sure. electron. Yeah. And they're, they're usually horrible. It's amazing how difficult some of these things can be to use. Um, they're obviously, at least it seems to me that they're created by people who have never really worked in the field and, and know mm-hmm. what needs to be done and how fast and, you know, how the workflow works and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So usability, number, number one, if, if you can't get your job done or if it slows you down and gets in your way, you know, we have a busy job. We've got poop on our right. hands half the time. We're dirty. <laughs> We're all this. And we don't have time to be, you know, playing around with a system that makes more work for us. So, and there's a lot of them out there that do that. And so that's, that for me is a really, really important one. The mm-hmm. other one though is um, flexibility. You know, so as I mentioned earlier, every center I've worked with does, does things completely different. So every one of my installations of my system is actually customized to the way they work. I, I don't know if it, I'd call it a motto or not, but I, I like to say that the system should work the way you work. You shouldn't be forced to work the way it works. So so that's why a lot of things in the system can be customized to, to operate the way some centers work on teams, some work on shifts, you know, AM, PM, some do right. all these different sorts of things. And so mm-hmm. most of the systems out there in, in human medicine, veterinary medicine, they're all very rigid. They say, okay, this is how it's set up. This is how you enter stuff. This is how you get your output and whatever. And that's how they work. And that's okay. But I, uh, I took the approach or I wanted to take the approach earlier on that I didn't want it to be like that. I wanted to try to help people work, you know, more efficiently in the way that they're comfortable. And that, that's okay. a big part of what I spend my time with. Well, uh, and I like that, too, that, that because you've been in the field for a very long yeah. time, too, you are intimately aware about how different centers work differently. You've worked at several centers. And, and I was so the you, primary you user that. to start with, so I knew what mm-hmm. I wanted it to do to begin with. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. if you've got some idea, but you're not, not a programmer, and you farm it out to some programming group to do it, right. it takes forever to get it right. So it's unusual that I'm the vet and the, the main developer, so it helps a lot. Right. You can get things yeah, done that, really quickly. That, it's a pretty amazing combination. It is. It's I unusual. Think. It's. A- I think it's unusual, but I I think that that then produces a very rich uh, uh, product, right? Uh, very usable product, like you said. Yeah, and that's the goal. That's the goal. So with um, something like this, do do users have to worry about privacy? Is that a concern? Is that well, Anything? so so the, the nice thing about veterinary medicine is we don't have to worry about HIPAA because HIPAA is an absolute nightmare for the human world. And at mm-hmm. one point, I was actually thinking about making this EMR work in the human world. And when I looked into what was required and the regulations and stuff, I said, oh, I'm not I'm not going there. So we don't have a lot of concerns, but there are a few. So, for instance, mm-hmm. um, you know, with my system, it's not just an animal management system anymore. It does, it's a volunteer database. It schedules volunteers. It tracks them. It, it, they're ours. Um, so it's like an HR resource now. So you don't want their data being, you know, spread around uh, uh, accidentally. Sure. 
You also, mm-hmm. every time you get an animal in, you get contact info, where mm-hmm. the bird was from or the animal. And so that stuff you need to keep safe, phone numbers and that sort of thing. So there are some concerns, but it's not nearly like like a system that's taking credit card numbers and things like that where you'd really oh, sure. have to worry. So okay. I'm, I'm okay. glad that I've been able to skirt around some of the more thorny kind of things that other types of systems have to deal with. But luckily, we don't mm-hmm. have to do too much of that. Okay. Oh, excellent. Excellent. But yeah, you're right. With the contact information and volunteers and all of that kind of stuff, you have to think about at least a little bit. Uh, so we've talked about, you know, efficiency and, and for rehabilitators making, uh, using a database like RaptorMed being, making your life a lot more efficient. Are there other uh, ways that this helps rehabilitation? We touched on a little bit about being able to search the database and, and yeah, improving your rehab going forward, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things that you as a user of the system may be interested in. So mm-hmm. you could say, I want to know, I want to know whenever a certain species comes in, right? And so you can go in the database and look today. Did anything come in? Did anything come in? Did anything come in? And it's it's that's a polling process where you're polling the database to look. But RaptorMed actually allows you to program in things that you are interested in, and it will mm-hmm. tell you when they happen. So you can be on a cruise in the Bahamas and get a text message on your phone and say, hey, we just got a gunshot peregrine falcon. You said you wanted to know about those. And so it will tell you that. So you don't have to waste time looking. It will let you know. And it's not just a stupid scenario like that. But for instance, um, there's a great example. Uh, When I first, I call that my alert system where it alerts people about certain events. And Mm -hmm. um, we actually had a a magpie in our collection, in our ed program. And we had never worked Mm -hmm. with corbids before. They're kind of funny. They cache food and sometimes they don't eat so well. And right. so we had a volunteer who was a husbandry volunteer who was feeding but and and weight and weighing and that sort of thing, but didn't mm-hmm. really know it was normal for this bird. All of our birds have an alert programmed in that says the system will alert the supervisor team when a weight drops X percentage. And so this sure. person fed the bird, went out, weighed him, entered the number, and I got a I got a beep on my uh, phone literally a minute later, and this bird turned out to be like a keel one out of five, was near death. And wow. because we got to him in time, I, I, I really think 12 hours later he would have been dead. So a simple thing like that literally saves lives. It's not an overstatement to say that, and it does. And if I had to go around to 250 birds every day and look for anybody who's weight dropped instead of having the system tell me when it happens, it, again, it's, a, it's all about efficiency and, right. and, and being in touch. You know, I, um, I was the only vet at the center. And most centers my size, this size, had two or three vets on, on staff, at least maybe part-time, full-time. And so it was a lot because we had over 100 full-time residents and we're seeing up to 1,000 rehab animals a year. And that's a lot right. to keep your hands on. So a lot of what I developed was just, just to keep my own sanity and just make sure that I was taking <laughs> the best care I could. Uh, another mm-hmm. one, another example is um, we do a lot of orthopedics, a lot of butt fractures, a lot of surgery, and that means a lot right. of physical therapy, right? And so... Mm-hmm. At any one time when we were busy, we might have 15 birds post-op with implants in, undergoing physical therapy in different stages. Some had wraps on, wing wraps and stuff. And it was really easy to lose track of that. So now my um, my Monday morning procedure was to look at the physical therapy report. And it would generate this report and say, this bird had physical therapy this day. He's scheduled for the next one. It would highlight right. the ones who don't have it scheduled and all that stuff because I forget about that, you know. Uh, a human brain mm-hmm. is good at certain things, but not 
you know, coordinating all these different moving parts. Right. And that and that's where any database can help because computers are great at that stuff. And so, right. you, you know, you leverage what a computer is good for. And that's one of those types of things. Exactly. I, I When you were talking about uh, getting the alerts, it made me think of Google Alert. I used to get lots of Google Alerts, yeah. but that kind of reminded me of that, that that's such a... Those get a little uh, annoying. That would be... Now, they can get a little annoying, but but in but in your case, that's a really interesting use of it, right? Of the database, just saying, no, this is what I'm interested in. And the other thing you mentioned earlier is, you know, uh, it's almost can be like a surveillance system, right? The, yep, you mentioned definitely. we might have been able to spot AI a little bit sooner or high path uh, avian influenza a little bit sooner. Y- you know that that is one of the things that might help, and that. To me, it leads into not only assisting the animals in your care, uh, whether it's physical therapy or feeding or whatever, but also helping or alerting to what's going on in the general populations of of wildlife. Yep. And yeah, I mean, you were talking about the banding uh, uh, returns and that type of thing, but also AI. Are there other other examples, ideas uh, of that? Well, you know, if we're talking about at the population level, you know, these databases help for a, for a lot of reasons because um, with the species of concern that the federal government has and each state and region has their own, for me, it's really important because every one of those animals, well, they're in my mind, they're all very important, but the species mm-hmm. of concern are exceptionally important, especially like these vultures in South Africa, because there's so few of them left. So when we're able to rehab one of those guys and get it back out, it's really great for the animal, for the species, but it's also a great opportunity for the public to be involved in that process. And one mm-hmm. of the things we do with our database is um, it, it has our release event planner. And so when a bird's coming up for a release, we can plan a location, we can plan an event. And we can mm-hmm. invite the public. And, and we all know that the problems that we deal with with our patients in the, in the wildlife world are never going to go away unless people are, are taught not to do the things that they do. Right. Because 90% of my cases were human induced. And so education, even though to me that's not the exciting part of it, I like surgery right. and all that great stuff, but it is the, the most important part. And so if we can use these databases to publish what we're doing to show the public what we're doing mm-hmm. um and that's one of the cool things about raptor med is that it has a public facing website that you can have a case of the day and you can show the x-rays and you can do all this kind of stuff and in and what was really great about that also and again that was born out of a necessity because we would get dozens and dozens of calls a day how's my bird how's my bird they call and say right how's my bird that takes time. If you've got a stack of you know files and you don't even know if the bird's alive or dead anymore, you have to sort through that. And oftentimes we'd say, well, we don't really know. We'll have to get back to you. And now this database publishes this page to the public and they can look up their patient and they can see how it's doing. They can see its x-rays. And it, wow. And it, the, the neat thing about it is, you know, when you go to the doctor and get an estimate of your expenses, your EOB, mm-hmm. right? RaptorMed has an EOB on there and it says we've spent this much and there's a donate button. And so they can click on that donate button and contribute to this animal's care. So it's and it's great because they're involved and, and it, it also allows us not to have to make all these return phone calls and and, you know, take a lot of time. And one of the cool things is and this is something that that um, is a little uh, questionable as far as some of uh, my users 
we were displaying every little bit of the record, every single entry made every day. And, you know, sometimes bad things go wrong. Sometimes we forget to right. do some things. And we actually had a member of the public call us and say, hey, my bird was supposed to get, I don't know what it was, a bandage change today, and you forgot to do it. And I looked up in the chart and I'm like, sure enough, you're right, we did. And so to me, I'm open to that. I yeah, I know sure. I make mistakes and I want any any help I can get. I know some people would probably be a little scared to do that, but to me, it's great. And and again, the public involvement was huge. And if mm -hmm. they can then show their kids or whatever, and that saves one bird from getting killed, to me, to me, it's great. So so these databases are great for us, our internal use, but they're also great to share. I have students right. from universities all over the world mining our database, um, you know, from from the outside, and it and to me that helps. You know, it's it's great. Sure, sure, yeah. I I, I love all the facets of it, and uh, the public facing part is very intriguing. Um, and it, and it and, pays for the system too. <laughs> Which and it pays for the system with the donate button and everything. But yeah, I agree. the The outreach part is so important because what we do. We need the general public, right? We need the community uh, for lots of reasons. They're, the, they're our eyes and ears as far as bringing in these injured animals to us. That's the first thing. But also they're the ones who support us because the vast majority of rehabilitation facilities are not funded um, by any kind of state or county or, or federal government. So we need we need the support in a lot of different ways. And you know what? If we can connect these people with that particular individual animal, and teach them, you know, uh, don't do the thing that you did or whatever. But also, the more important thing is let's change habitat and let's or let's increase habitat or let's change views about uh, vultures, for example. Yeah, vultures or, are a great example. Uh, yeah, just yeah, just misinformation. They, misinformation. I think that all that stuff collectively. Uh, it really, really helps. And it's amazing that this database actually helps you do that. So that's that's wonderful. So um, what other types of, uh, and you've already showcased a lot of the features of this database, but are there other um, features that you, if I'm looking for a database that I should think about or features including, quote unquote, you, I want to say extras. They're not extras, it sounds like, modifications on your web, on your uh, platform that you would say, you know, hey, you should you should check out Raptor Med because. Yeah. So um, when I started at the Carolina Raptor Center w back in 2008, we had... Um, we had an access database, we had sticky notes, we had a whiteboard, we had about 10 different Excel spreadsheets doing all <laughs> this stuff and nothing talked to each other, of course, and it, it, was, it was a mess. And now RaptorMed is not just an animal management system. It, it deals with our entire operation, so volunteer management's in there, inventory mm -hmm. control. I can't tell you how many times I go to the cabinet and shake the bottle of Batril and there's like one tab in there and that really right. made me mad. So the inventory manager was born. So... Everything that RaptorMed does now was asked for by one of my customers. I said, hey, Dave, can you make it do this? And that's that's the thing that makes RaptorMed stand out is I customize it. I add to it as the customer thinks of a new need. I have um, mm -hmm. customers that are 10 years old now, and they're still asking me, hey, Dave, can you add this? Can you add that? It might be just a simple report, but it can be an entirely new thing, like that move bank telemetry thing that I mentioned right. earlier. I um, happened to be on a Zoom call with my customer. We were talking about something, and they just happened to have a spreadsheet on the desktop that had all this move bank stuff. And I asked them, what is that? Because I don't like seeing spreadsheets. I always tell my customers, 
If you have a spreadsheet that you're managing somehow manually, and it's uh-huh. based in any shape or form on the data that's in RaptorMed, you, I, I tell them you need to let me know because I should be able to generate that for you. I always tell people if they're entering any bit of data twice, like in a database and then somewhere else manually, like a case ID number or anything, you should never, mm-hmm. ever have to do that. You should be able to generate that out of the database and and it saves time, right? So I saw this spreadsheet and he said, oh, yeah, we, we spend hours every day tracking MoveBank and and three weeks later, he had it completely integrated into RaptorMed and they, they've literally, you know, just it's been it's been great for them. So that's one of the things I'm really proud of with RaptorMed because right. I go to great, great lengths to make your life easier. I always tell people mm-hmm. if you've had the system for six months and you still have some sort of spreadsheet you're using for something, anything, let me know because my goal is to get rid of that. And now most of my <laughs> customers, it. they don't have sticky notes. They don't have whiteboards. They don't have anything anymore. It's all in mm-hmm. one place where they can share it. And so it's much more than just keeping track of medical records. So much more than that. Um, you know, I mentioned a lot of that stuff already, but um, uh, it, it, it just has gone well beyond that, what, what most other systems do. I never right. intended that. Again, this is all because people asked or I needed it, you know, and so that's the great, the great thing about it. Right. Um, isn't that interesting how things like this kind of develop and grow? You did it for your own use and efficiency and things like that. And then as you're presenting and whatever, people are asking, well, how did you do that? Oh, gosh, can I can I buy that or can I see that or can I use it? Um, and then you start getting, well, maybe other people could use this You know, it's too. funny. My uh, my first user was actually um, the Raptor Center in Beijing, China. We we had their lead vet came to the Raptor Center to to learn with us for a couple of months. And she saw Raptor and she's like, boy, I got to have that. So I don't advertise at all. It's all by people seeing it, playing right. with it and using it and saying we got to have that. And, and mm-hmm. um, advertising is really expensive and it's really difficult. This is a very weird kind of niche market. So it's it very hard to do yeah. that. So it's all been just sort of people using it, liking it, and wanting it. Right. And then kind of spreading the, spreading the word. So, um, and we're going to certainly do that a little bit too. So in our show notes, I will put links to Raptor Med so people can explore. I do have one more question. I know that I know... I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway for our listeners is especially since many of the rehabilitators are like me, an independent rehabilitator. Um, but even for the big facilities, one of the things we have to do at the end of the year, every year is produce reports for our, our oh, permits. Yeah. yeah. Don't you love and, that? <laughs> don't I love it? So I'm, um, going to ask, does the Raptor men produce the reports? Well, of course. Um, it wouldn't be a very good I system. I knew the and, answer. Right. <laughs> and the funny thing is, you know, at CRC, when I started there, it was, I was going to say one and a half man weeks, but it was a woman who did it. It was one and a mm-hmm. half woman weeks to generate these reports that were full of errors. And it took literally a week and a half. And now it's obviously two clicks away. Generates right. all the federal reports, every state report, Canadian reports, European, you know, what, wherever you are. And, and when I set up a new system, I, I mentioned that there's a lot of customization and that's because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things that people need, not that they necessarily want, but they're required to do for their local governments and sure. stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I, I put my new prospective customers through a pretty rigorous interview process to find out everything, you know, what, mm-hmm. re- what is required. And it's also a great time for them to maybe consider not doing things that they don't need to do anymore or things that used to make sense but don't anymore. And when you turn when you go from paper or Excel or access to a, a really nice database, things change quite a bit because you can do so much more 
And so stuff that were just routine and you just did out of habit often don't don't need to be done anymore. Right. And so we talk about right. those sorts of things. Do you really need to do that? And oftentimes they say, you know, we really don't. We've just been doing that because we were told to 10 years ago. And right. So, right. so there's a lot of that, too. <laughs> Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, Very, very interesting and informative. Is there anything else you would like to add before um, uh, for our listeners at all about Raptor Med? Yeah, so you know, Raptor Med was born out of out of a necessity, and you know, I'm a I'm an engineer, but I'm also veterinarian. I love animals. I, I I love spending my life helping them, and for me, it's been great to be able to combine these two things. Um, I love working with new um, organizations. It's, it's, a, it's a process because I learn a lot from every new group that I work with. And um, it's not just we're just software buddies. We become, we become collaborators. There's not a single customer mm-hmm. that I have that I don't consult on their cases sometimes. Uh, well, maybe mm-hmm. a few, but, but not many. And so right. for me, it's a, it's a relationship that we form and, and hopefully a long-term one. So I look forward to looking uh, to working with any, anybody new. They can, they can check it out at uh, www.raptormed.com. And okay. um, I'm always open to answer any kind of questions that they might have. And I, I would also point out that this system does cost some money. Um, and you can check out the, the fees on the webpage, but mm-hmm. I would, ne- I always tell people, don't let the money stop you from getting Raptor Med. If, it, if you think it's the right fit for you and you think it's going to help you help your patients, I want to help you get it and, and I'll make sure that you can get it and afford it. Right. So the, the, the idea is, is that talk to me, yeah, right? Definitely. That you should have a conversation um, before they just dismiss it out of hand. That's right. So because of the cost. So, okay. But oh, I my can goodness. guarantee that the cost yep. will be worth it. And that web page with the donate button pays for itself right there. So it's, it's, right. it's, it actually turns out to be some, in some ways a moneymaker. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, I can't end this any better than that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It's amazing. Amazing ending. So, uh, Dr. David Scott, thank you so much for spending some time today to talk about this incredible database. Uh, Really, really important information for all of our listeners and all wildlife rehabilitators. Um, We need to push best practices, and I I fully believe that databases, um, and they're out there now, are an important piece of that. That was my recent conversation with Dr. David Scott, a multi-talented electrical engineer, wildlife veterinarian, and creator of Raptor Med. More information about Raptor Med at raptormed.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Wildlife Rehabilitation from Rescue to Release Season 2. Wildlife Rehabilitation from Rescue to Release is a production of Partners for Wildlife, working hand-in-hand with wildlife rehabilitators and veterinarians to improve the welfare of orphaned, ill, and injured wildlife. Our executive producer is me, Gail Buell. I'm the partnership coordinator for Partners for Wildlife at the University of Minnesota College of Veterinary Medicine's Raptor Center. To learn more about the Raptor Center and Partners for Wildlife, visit raptor.umn.edu. Our producer is Kirk Clocky. Special thanks to Dr. David Scott and Raptor Men, Partners for Wildlife, and the Raptor Center at the University of Minnesota College of Veterinary Medicine. And that's our show. Hope you'll join us again next time.